I'm Victoria Cash. Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline. If you feel like you do the same thing every day, press 1. If you're ready to have some serious fun for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press 2. We heard you loud and clear. So go to LuckyLandslots.com right now and play over 100 social casino-style games for free. Get lucky today at LuckyLandslots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. Hello, and welcome to Stop. Hammer time. Uh, in this week's Stop Hammer Time, we will uh, derisively acknowledge the fact that the Burnley game at the weekend existed, but more importantly, uh, <laughs> revel in the memories of uh, the game at Olympic Lyonnaise that we played last week. Uh, in the in the company of some people that actually went there, uh, uh, Jim Grant. Good evening. Jim, uh, hello, how are you? Yeah, very good, thanks. Yeah, yeah, still basking in the glory of it all. Yeah, what a wonderful, what a wonderful game to go to. Uh, also, there was the good friend Benji Lanyardo. Hello, Phil. How are you doing? Good, good. Um, and uh, we'll find out your your means of travel uh, once we get going. Uh, but good to have you all back, safe and sound. <laughs> out in Italy, uh, who I presume commuted to the game from Italy, is Don Peretta. Hello, Don. Hi, uh... Uh, and we'll yes, have I to did. find out. I did commute from Italy. Yeah, fantastic. Yes, did. Um, did you did you buy a place in Italy the moment Sullivan and Gold <laughs> said we were moving up to the next level, uh, just to have a European base to go to our away fixtures from? Exactly it's, that. I, I, I took I took the lead from them and went for it. Yeah, I, it was certainly a confidence boosting statement from them, and uh, yeah, I was tempted to do the same myself. Also, with us, uh, he didn't go to uh, Leon, but he went to Seville. It's uh, Sam Delaney. Hello, hi Phil, hi everyone. Hi. Um, first of all, that game was. Uh, I mean, the the go- Sam, uh, you and I said that the the, the game, uh, the home fixture against Seville. Uh, was one of the great West Ham mm. nights up there with, you know, uh, the playoff final, great away performances, you know, the 3-0 up at Liverpool, um, all of those things. But the Leon game uh, must have uh, surpassed that. Yeah, it was yeah, incredible. I mean. It was incredible. Um, you know, it, it just, uh, one of those extraordinary, I hope not once in a lifetime, but it, but it felt a bit like a sort of, once, once in a lifetime event, really. Uh, especially when, for me, it was the second when the second goal went in. I, I've never gone pottier at uh, a uh, 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 West Ham goal. The place went mental. It was brilliant, absolutely brilliant. Yeah, I mean, Suchek's uh, Suchek's first goal against Seville was uh, probably the maddest the people immediately around me have gone since uh, uh, former Funkadelic member Ricardo Vazte's goal uh, in the playoff uh, final because yeah. that happened just yeah. below us yeah. and, and below most of us. And, I mean, the fucking roof came off the place when that went in. But the Sujet goal was similar. And, I mean, it must have been like that at uh, uh, Leon as well, obviously. Um, uh, yeah, extraordinary. It was um, brilliant. And because the, that, the timing of that third goal as well, because I think everyone there was just fully prepared to spend 45 minutes shitting your pants, right? And then yes. the third, the third yeah. goal, and, and, and I'd, almost, I'd almost just assume we're, we're going to go out. We're going to fuck this up. Of course we are. Um, and then when the third went in, 
or a couple of minutes after half time, it it felt it was it was like okay, actually we might be able to enjoy this a little bit. Of course we didn't. I was still shitting my pants until about five no, minutes no. towards towards the end. But then when that five, when it got to like five minutes through, it was like we're, we're actually going to do this. And yeah, it was amazing despite being kettled for what two hours after the game and not getting back into the city centre yeah. till half past one. It was um, yeah. I think yeah, my thirty years bad. of going to West Ham, it was the it was the my favourite game ever. It was amazing. Yeah, Don. How did you get there from uh, from Italy? So I, I because uh, yes, uh, um, I was geographically challenged. I, I went another way. So I flew from Bari to Lyon direct for the princely sum of eighteen euros. Yeah. So uh, I I did very well. Then. That's fantastic. <laughs> That's fantastic. Yeah. You went to the Zagreb game as well, didn't you? I did. Yeah, that was a little bit more involved because that was in the uh, the midst of still the COVID. Uh, uh, you know restrictions, and so it was a mountain of paperwork to get there. But yeah, it was definitely worth it. Zagreb was was a fantastic night, really yeah. Good. And uh, this eclipsed that definitely. Uh, Zagreb, I, was, I recommend Zagreb as a visit. You know, it's a lovely town, great food, nice people. So aside from the football, is it was a pleasurable visit as well. Yeah, yeah. I was I was very taken with Leon. I thought I thought it was a lovely place. Yeah. Um, yeah, absolutely, really nice. Yeah, it was a, food. it's supposed to be the gastronomic capital of capital of France. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I didn't. Uh, I literally didn't see the game. I didn't uh, see it on TV or any medium, but I saw the goals going in, uh, basically on the kind of uh, BBC, you know, live text service. And uh, so, when just before half time, you know, we got that goal, uh, I sort of thought, oh, hang on. And then this because the second came fairly soon, um, fairly soon after the break, I did think, fucking hell. I, I, I think I texted anyone I knew that supported West Ham and went, uh, there's going to be some shithousery coming mm-hmm. up now, surely. Um, but uh, we seemed to hold on pretty well, basically, you know, from from <laughs> from literally just watching the score changing, you know, <laughs> from one to two to three. It all seemed very comfortable. Yeah. I'm sure it was a bit more heart in the mouth than that. Sorry, Don. I was, I was just going to say, the, 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 when the third goal went in, it was sheer euphoria because, A, it was a peach of a goal, absolute beautiful goal, you know, flawless. B, when it was scored was the perfect time because it just took the wind completely out of their sails. And it also meant that we could then have a party for the rest of the second half. It was, yeah. it was just brilliant, absolutely brilliant. The, night, so the lovely thing at the end of the game as well is after all that, we had a lovely night, one of the greatest nights in West Ham's contemporary history. And then the Leon fans put on a lovely show for us, all kicking off and having it. Oh, yeah, they, <laughs> it was were, brilliant. they were grumpy bastards. They really were. Yeah. It reminded me, it was funny, it was like, I, this is, I'm, this is, we are always on the other side of this. We're the ones kicking off and making pricks out of ourselves while some, you know, away away fans are having a lovely old time up in the rafters. And it was the exact opposite. It was so strange. Up up is down at the moment for West Ham. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. When they set, when they set their fire to the seats, that was funny as well. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah, fantastic. Um, we are, we, we, you know, without wishing to jinx anything, we have become an, a very good away team, haven't we? The sort of... Uh, um, that Zagreb performance, the away performances in the um, the group stages, especially, you know, and, uh, you know, it seemed to start in lockdown when we became a very good away outfit when there were no crowds. Uh, and it seemed like that might, you know, people were back justifying why that, you know, might be, and it, the, the fact that it might be that there were no crowds there. But um, it's kind of carried on this season. We're still a decent outfit away from home, aren't we? I'm, yeah. I'm so delighted by that because there was so much sort of cynicism and snide remarks, wasn't there, from, from other fans and pundits about how, I mean, it seems like a distant memory now, the idea that the West Ham fans was somehow dragging the team down or holding yeah. the club back, right? Ooh. Which was such... So- so infuriating to hear, you know, West Ham fans, of all fans. And then and then this season we've come out and done yeah. it again. And actually our fans this season have been at their very best. Yeah. At their very best. So, you know, all these big, big games, both at the London Stadium and away from home. 
you know, it's been like a sensational season for the fans. You know, the atmosphere that's been generated. Tell you, I'm, tell you so. I'm, I'm, I'm so delighted that it's like, you know, just shove that back down their throats, all that yeah. bollocks about, oh, and I, ha- I don't, you must have all had it, you know, when you're in the pub or whatever and, <clears> and some prick just believes whatever they, they've written. But go, yeah, so do you think it's what, how, how do you explain West Ham doing so well this season? Do you think it's probably because the fans yeah. aren't there? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I think it's because yeah. we're a fucking good team. Yes. And I think yeah. we'll only be better once the fans are back. Yeah, Because absolutely. we're the best fans absolutely. in the country. And people are like, oh, oh, really? And we've come back. And if anything, this season's better than last season. If we finish in yeah. the top six, plus we've gone on this European run. Yeah. Even if we don't get to the final, if we finish in the top six and we add it to this in- incredible European yeah. run, yeah. Then, then he's actually gone back and, and improved upon last year. And last year was our best season in, in decades. Yeah, absolutely. And just for yeah. the fans... Getting back to what you were saying... Sorry, Ben. Oh, sorry. Go on. I was just going to say, with the fans there, with the fans there, it also, it makes the moments seem a bit more iconic and it, and it makes the kind of like the players seem a little bit more historic as well. So like I was, you know, thinking about that, you know, Craig Dawson is making himself into a cult figure here. And yeah. like, and like that wouldn't happen if there's no fans there. The fact that yeah. like we love him and it's like exceptional. <laughs> he he is now like, he's already at kind of Ginger Collins levels and he might be surpassing mm. him. And that, that those kind of moments and those kind of love affairs don't happen without fans there. No. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's a, you're absolutely right, Sam. It's, it wasn't so much that it, it, it was it, it was more than the fact that uh, yeah, sort of so-called neutrals were sort of saying, oh, you know, you're playing well because there are no fans. I mean, it was so infuriating because people couldn't accept because it's such a rare thing that a team could have such a drastic turnaround. Yeah, in such a short space of time with very uh, relatively little changes to the personnel. Right? And, and it is. I mean, it is a miracle what what David Moyes done. People couldn't get their head around it. So they're looking for yeah. a cynical sort of negative way of interpreting yeah. it, which we all knew was wrong. Now, if you look at it, right, the whole West Ham are massive charm, right? That's become an iconic charm. That will come to define this season. Whatever you think yes. of it, I mean, I love it, right? Yeah. yeah totally. I mean, I think the, the club overstepped the mark a little bit by doing official t-shirts with massive written. Yeah. Like that 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 detracted somewhat. Yeah, yeah. But that is a song that is first of all, it's beautiful because it's one that it, it's a song that doesn't. But I love the fact that it was originally Tom Get Battered and then somewhere along the line, it would be nice. We sang a version of it as well, don't forget. Yeah, you think, what if we we made it? It was West Ham Clips. It was the guy West Ham Clips that puts those... Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. so he was the one who kept using the term massive and when someone put that into the song, it's great. An example of a song that we're singing that's only celebrating our own club, and obviously is very tongue-in-cheek and therefore in keeping with the best of West Ham yeah. fan humour in that it's sort of taking the piss out of yeah. ourselves, to be honest, yeah, yeah. right? Yeah. Which yeah. is great. And and um, that defines the season. And in fact, it transcends West Ham because all the fans of other clubs know this is our song now, right? Because everyone's calling us massive. And it drives them mad. <laughs> and they're all, we're, we're trolling them all because they're all fucking confused and idiotic. And they're all saying, like, they're not massive. They think they're massive. They're not massive, right? No one gets it, which I love, right? There's a, there's a perversity to it. And so not only have, we, uh, have the fans returned and not held West Ham back, in fact, we've returned better than ever, right, mm. with a song. And actually, there's a few new songs this season, right? But that song in particular that has fucking transcended our club and, every, and has wound everyone in the country up, right? And I just think that's beautiful because everything that people predicted would happen has actually, the reverse has happened. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. I suppose what I'm saying is, Fuck you, everyone else. We're massive and we're going to win the Europa League. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's that's my point in a nutshell. Yep. No, that's and, a good point. I, and I'm playing at centre-back in the semi. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Um, absolutely. Going back to, Phil, what you said about the away performances, mm. just thinking about the football for a moment, that um, th- there was a kind of blueprint for those away performances, uh, particularly in, the, in, that, in that lockdown period, 
you know, there's that 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 period of time when Lingard was playing for the team as well. But you know, and, and wins uh, up at Leicester and, and and so on, where we would just kind of suddenly batter teams um, very often on thirty five percent possession and scoring. You know, uh, threatening from set pieces and scoring great breakaway counter attacking goals. And that was absolutely followed the blueprint that game at, at Lyon. We had thirty five percent possession. Uh, we scored set great set piece goal, and as you rightly said, Don, you know the third goal was was right up there with those with those transitional um, uh, goals. A lot of it was to do with the fact they had to double up on Antonio the whole time. He absolutely gave them the runaround, and they really struggled with him, and that created space that was exploited. And and the the just the layback and the first time ball from Fournals yeah, perfectly weighted into Bowen's yeah. just just. The number of classy uh, passes Fornhouse makes, you know, it, it still well, goes funny. a little bit under the radar for me. I, I still think he's mm. just right up there with that. It's best funny. Players. It's very often he's the fulcrum, isn't he? He's. Mm. It's often a quick ball from him that's uh, that causes the breakaway. There's the perfectly yeah. weighted. But it was a couple of weeks ago. Sort of perfectly weighted ball into Antonio's path. What game was that? Someone, it was someone gave the ball away. Someone unexpected on the other team gave the ball away. Uh, oh yeah, Iwobi against Everton. That's yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. That's Iwobi it. gave the ball yeah. away, yeah. and yeah. and and Fornals just got hold of it yeah. and, and played him straight. Yeah, through. he didn't have to do much actually, but he did it first time. Yeah, and that's the yeah. thing. That's that's about that kind it's, of speed it, of thought. It, he's basically Manuel Pellegrini's one and only sort of positive legacy from yeah. his fairly shit disastrous reign. Yes, absolutely. That he he uh, you yeah. know he bought he bought a bunch of like absolute duds for for a huge for huge sums of money that just didn't work out. But he did give us four nails. Oh yeah including yeah. Yeah. The, in the duds then. Well you know I mean listen as you got obviously at the top end you got Anderson and Haller. Yeah. And then in the middle, you've got Diop and Yarmolenko, who actually, when they eventually leave the club, will probably look back on both of them fondly because they both, you know, you tend to remember the positive cameos yeah. that players have played rather than focusing on on the shit times, I think. So we'll probably remember Yarmolenko's goal against Chelsea and certainly his one against Seville Absolutely. and all that stuff. And two goals against Everton. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, but then, but then for nows, I mean, you know, that's the proper player. He's, a, he, yeah, he's a fulcrum of our side, and and the side is kind of he's one of the key players that this side is built around. Well, he was almost rediscovered by Moyes, wasn't he? he? Was, because because yeah. he wasn't very good under Pellegrini, no. and I've, it feels to me like he didn't actually play all that much. I think it, you know, sort of our midfield was was Rice and Noble. Um, there were our forward players, uh, you know, Antonio, Felipe Anderson, uh, Arnautovic, Yarmolenko. Uh, and I don't think he got in the side an enormous amount. So it was a bit like Moyes just coming in going, right, what have I got that I can, you know, but, keep but that, us up with? That, that is the perfect example of why Moyes is a fucking brilliant manager. Yeah. Because he has turned Fornells into a David Moyes player. Like you remember that they used to, for example, a player like Stephen Pienaar on at Everton, right? He had he had the, the quality and the technique which Fornells does, but what does? But what Moyes did with him is made him into this incredible grafter at the same time, and he's yeah. done the same with Fornells. And again, like the, the, the you know across the board, like it, it feels to me that he is he is producing performances that are more than the sum of our parts. And you can see, you know, the op- you can see the opposite all over the place with the, the, where a manager isn't getting a tune out of a team. We are get we are really punching above our weight at the moment, yeah. And absolutely. we're doing it consistently, and it's got to all go back to David Moyes. And I and I, I think Jim, you said it on, on on one of these pods a while back. We've got to consider him as one of our greatest ever managers, and certainly I think the greatest manager of my lifetime. He deserves enormous credit. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, no, yeah it's, it's, only, it's only really Lyle ahead of him. To be honest, isn't it at the moment? Um, and that's saying yeah. something. That's remarkable, really, when you when you think about it. Um, I mean, it depends yeah. what your criteria is. Because first of all, a lot of people would say it's harder now, right? Yeah, yeah, maybe. And, yeah. and also, you just look at, you know, John Lyle took over from Ron Greenwood. You know, John Lyle took over a team that had Billy Bonds and Trevor Brooking in it, right? 
David Moyes, the fact that he came tw- not once, but twice and yeah. saved the fucking yeah. team. I mean, there is something biblical about <laughs> what he did. Even before the bit where we got good, yeah. right? Forget that bit, like where we're at now. He came, he saved us from what looked like certain relegation. They fucked him off. Then he came back yeah. and did it again, yeah. right? And then immediately in his first full season, having done that for a second time, in his first full season, he got us into the, into Europe for the first time in donkey's years, right? And uh, and then followed that up with another season where it looks likely we're going to qualify for Europe again and took us on an incredible Europa League. So if you look at all, plus you look at the, the players that he has improved and sort of helped nurture into players that, in Declan Rice's case, is a world-class player. Yeah. In the case of Bowen, is certainly approaching being a, a top, top kind of international standard player, I would say. And then just players who are almost on the scrap heap, yeah. like Antonio, and Antonio or Bonner and, and Chris And Antonio, yeah. who cares about Antonio's goals? That performance against Leon was a was a world-class centre-forward performance. And yeah, and that, was. that and and he keeps going and he keeps and, and he's he is becoming a better centre forward regardless of the goals. Like the way that he held the ball up for that Bowen goal, usually he'd turn around and try and do something good and, and, and fuck it up, right? He paused, he played it back to four nails and four nails picked the pass, right? That is that is coached. That is coached. Yeah. That is Moyes again improving Antonio yeah. as a player. It's amazing. Yeah. yeah. And- and just to reinforce what you said, Sam, you know, Bowen's finish on his right foot. You know, his right foot. Yeah. You know, the thing he couldn't do when he came to the club was finish on his right foot. So he's obviously worked at that. Mm. Um, uh, but, but you know, I, yeah, that's the thing about Moyes is that um, players seem to get better under him and the team functions, uh, as, as, as someone said, you know, as, as more than the sum of its parts. And, and, the apotheosis of that was was that performance. That, that's where that's where it's all been heading. I hope yeah. that doesn't end up being the climax of it this season. But even you know, even if it, even if even if we fall at the next hurdle, we've we've had that and and we've seen you know kind of kind of a glimpse of where we could where we could go if he's properly backed in the in the transfer market and 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 if and if uh, and if some I think players have got some big decisions to make really I think Rice has got a big decision to make in terms of you know he's he's experienced that on 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 Thursday night it's so you know the running to the fans kissing the badge thing doesn't feel tokenistic with him does it it feels like he's in that and he in that moment and he he believes that is he really going to want to go I mean where the most likely the, the, the team that needed most is Man United, right? At, at the top Fuck team, that, would you? They're a basket case. Of yeah, a it'd be depressing for him to go from a, yeah. a club really that's would. on the way up and full, surrounded by such a great atmosphere, and also you know an increased amount of goodwill from other fans. I got a text from a Spurs fan after the Leon game. <laughs> Saying congratulations, what a night! Well, I'm, yeah, yeah. The, the thing right, as well yeah. with, with with Deckers, like he he um, like I don't think he will leave in the summer for a World Cup. I think he's too smart to do that. No, no he won't. Let's, I think he'll leave. No, no. Let's, let's say hypothetically, we he leaves for 120, 130, whatever. Suddenly, West Ham are a club to come to. I think there's a bunch mm. of players that we might have been in for over the last few windows that are a little bit like mm, West Ham. Now we like Moy said yeah. this in the conference office. We we, we we, we've announced ourselves. So, so, so whatever happens, I think I think that, you know, we've taken a step forward with this campaign. Definitely. I mean, I, I hope it's not over, but he has done already what's been achieved. is a huge step forward for us. I mean, it's like maybe where you would expect to, in, in your dreams, maybe like next year or the year after we might have got to this stage. He's done it in like two two seasons. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I was going to say about, about Moyes that, um, what he's also done is reinvent himself as a manager mm. because he previous teams of his have not played like we play. You know, he's had he had that experience at Man United, he had that experience at Sunderland, he had that experience in Spain. He realised, I think, that he needed to upgrade, you know, modernise how his teams mm. played. And we were the perfect sort of guinea pig for him because he could do pretty much what he wanted to, couldn't he? Yeah, and, absolutely. And it's, and it's you know, it's succeeded beyond anybody's wildest dreams. I, I bet even his, I mean, 
could he possibly have imagined that he'd be doing this right now two years ago when he decided to take People the job? People say that uh, um, oh, Everton, his teams were pretty boring. They were attritional. Yeah. Um, I have never found the Moise era boring. Nah. Like, no. ne- never. I mean, it's different. It's not, say, the kind of football that we would have played under, you know, at times in the Red Nap era, we were very exciting to watch. And then if you go back to John Lyle and know that era, sometimes it was gorgeous football. It's different to all those eras. It's got it's a very particular type of football that is mainly counter-attacking. But every every game for me, I, I don't think he's ever been a boring negative defensive coach at all. No, last season we had the two amount goals. of beautiful goals. Last scored. season we had two goals on goal of the month in match, you know, whatever it is, five goals, 10 goals, however many they, you know, are in contention for goal of the month. Two of them were f- from us, you know. Yeah. We scored beautiful goals. We do. Yeah. And we score lots of different types of goal. We've got lots of different goal scorers. It's a proper team, and I think that again is is is, is down to Moyes. He makes you know the the, the the par level of every player that plays on a weekly basis is really high. There's no wrongins in there. Yeah, um, no. yeah. A, a lot of it is a lot of it is is also basics, isn't it? There's no excuse for a team not to be a threat from set pieces. Really, it's about planning and practice, isn't it? And suddenly we went from being historically kind of generally shit at them even under Allardyce the supposed set piece king we weren't that great and yeah. we're now we're, we're one of the top teams that said you, you just know every time there's a corner or a free kick in the final third that you know someone can angle in we we're in we're in we're in with a shout of uh of scoring this um, so and teams know that and it is it, you know that that's done to hard work and just doing the basics isn't it like when he sat them all down and said, basically, your running statistics mm. shit. You, you you don't play my team unless you do the running. I mean, that's mm. all just kind of it's it, it's it's one thing to say it's getting players to do it. There must be manager after manager sits the Man United squad down and say, right, chaps, you're just not running enough. Mm. But they're all paid huge amounts of money. They've got massive egos. They just go, Who the fuck are you? You're going to be sacked, and then you know whenever we decide you're going to be sacked. Uh, so no. And I think that's part of the secret to it is having players who are, you know, on the up in their careers or are or have the right mental attitude, which I suppose explains his ditheriness, as some people would describe it, in the transfer market. Yeah, I think he's, he's very good at sort of he's very good at conveying to a player what type of player he wants him to be. Like Benji, you were saying about Stephen Pienaar, you know, I mean, that Everton team was a a fantastic mixture of, you know, uh, uh, grafters and flair. Arteta was in that team. You can't call a team uh, doer and boring and attritional if Arteta is at the heart of your midfield. You know, he's a Spanish flair player. Mm-hmm. Lanzini, Lanzini is a, is a, is a, is a silver player and he loves him. Yeah. 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 Um, and, and, you know, he's, he's obviously sort of, you know, managed to, to get four hours to be a certain type of player by saying, this is what I like about you. This is what I want you to do. Do this. It was very noticeable in the, the season where he took over from Pellegrini, where he looked at what he had, which was pretty, you know, um, there were some good. There were some good players in that team, actually, and there's some decent ones in this one. I think he probably inherited a slightly worse squad this time around than that Pellegrini team, which had some, you know, superstars in it, but who were just playing atrociously. Uh, got rid of quite a few of them uh, to the bench and created a system three at the back. Use Arthur Masuaku as a wing back rather than putting him anywhere near the left back mm-hmm. position, putting Arnautovic centre up front, uh, putting Lanzini up there with him, you know, a provider, a kind of Peter Beardsley type buzzing around him, you know, did that from the start, gave everyone a sense of what he wanted them to do and said, you know, go out and do it and try and keep us in the division. Um, um, as we move towards talking about the Burnley game, which perhaps we'll do after, after oh, the, do we, this oh, break. Really? Um, Bill, cut, do we, do nah, you, fuck, 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 fuck Burnley, fuck Burnley, fuck well, Brentford. It didn't happen. It's going to be folded into uh, a discussion about team selection, really, because obviously there's a big headache, which we'll come to. 
Um, but also, you know, perhaps we'll talk a little bit more about what standout performances there were out in Lyon, uh, how those players then reacted at the weekend and how we move forward from there uh, towards the next couple of fixtures. There's not a lot of latitude in team selection, has to be said, but um, maybe we'll talk a little bit about that after this message. Welcome back. Um, before we leave the Leon game, were there? Um, where did people stay? By the way, um, with Zoe, my, my my daughter, erstwhile sulky mm-hmm. teen, um, and we had a lovely time. Actually, it was real kind of uh, father daughter bonding stuff. Um, we stayed in a in part of the town called Parash. It's on the Eel, a bit between the two rivers. Um, um, our hotel was right next door to this uh, sort of kind of um, uh, art, art, uh, art nouveau sort of temple of dining called Brasserie Georges, and we got there on, mm-hmm. on the Wednesday night. Uh, it was great fun, very theatrical. They have a barrel organ that plays Happy Birthday yeah. for all the kind of family birthday parties that seem to be in there. We what about you, Benji? Well. You've written about travel, haven't you? Yeah, yeah, we um we we had a drink in there as well. And we arrived. We were very near to where Jim was, and actually uh, the the um we bumped into Jim and Zoe on the Eurostar on the way back and had a good. Uh, right, uh, yeah. we, we had a big group cuddle, which was lovely. And um, so that yeah, the whole, <laughs> the whole the whole thing was wicked. We ended up in um in a I sort of deliberately avoided the sort of throng of West Ham fans. We ended up in um the San John area, just drinking and having a lovely time during the day. And there was still West Ham fans sprinkled across the city. Like you don't have to go far to find them. And it was just a, it was a lovely day as well. It was hot. It was just, a, oh, it was just glorious. It was glorious. It was nice. Great, great. Dom, what about you? Where'd you stay? I stayed in the uh, the Cité Internationale, which is sort of the uh, convention area in uh, oh, the, right, Crown, nice. the Crown Plaza Hotel. But the buggers shut the bar. <laughs> they wouldn't oh. open the bar, which is a bit unfriendly of them. Well, they kettled us. You've got to assume that we were that there was a reason we didn't get back to the city centre until past one. They were obviously trying to get us back after all the bars had closed. But by the time we got back, we managed to find somewhere actually and had a drink, and we got back and yeah, until about two half two. One, one thing just I should say, sorry, just 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 before we move on, and I'm sure all of you have had this experience this week, right? Um, where I've got lots of friends of mine that don't give a shit about football, and they were still aware that something big had happened when I'd been there and West Ham. And it made me realise that, like, this is why it is a really good idea to support a football team that are mostly shit. Because these yeah. kind of, like, people could truly understand. I was like, they're like, why are you so happy? Why is it such a big deal that you've just, you've won a, you know, you've won a quarterfinal? It's, like, it's because this doesn't happen to us. Like, if you're a Man City fan or a Liverpool fan or, yeah, even a Man United fan of the last sort of 50, 10, 15 years, you basically win a trophy a season. For for us, this was so magical, exactly because we're usually shit, and it's a really yeah, exactly it's, it's exactly right. why I'm hopefully going to make yeah. my son into a West Ham fan because what you know it makes the highs higher, doesn't it, guys? Absolutely, it's yeah. the Keatsian paradox. We've mentioned it uh, on more than one occasion. Um, yeah, the extremes yeah. of joy and oh, sorrow. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like my mum used to say, she used to go, "Well, son, it would be boring if you won every week." And I'd go, Mum, you know fucking nothing about that. <laughs> <laughs> it would be it would be brilliant if we won every week. <laughs> no, I see what you're saying, but yeah, it would be quite nice if we won every week. Well, but that's... yeah, I mean to be doing this and without I mean, no, you look at City who were very like us before they got their money. Um, they were, you know, always mm. sort of a sort of parallel between the two clubs. And, you know, so I was sort of happy for them in the early days of their success because I knew their fans were proper fans and long-suffering. But now, what does it mean, the constant trophies? Do you know what I mean? Whereas for us, I would I would argue that we got more joy, we derived more joy from reaching this semi-final than probably the average Chelsea fan would from winning the Champions League. I really Correct. mean that. And I think, that, I think that's it, isn't it? Yeah, that's yeah. true, man. I mean, you know, let's be honest. I remember when Chelsea got to Champions League final against Man U that time, and it was in Moscow. I know loads of Chelsea fans who just didn't go. They didn't go. Yeah. Can you imagine that? No. I mean, you know, people, 
that of these big clubs, they don't go. They get to Wembley, they don't go because they think, oh, we'll be back again next year. I might go to the next one. Whereas West Ham fans are just fucking pouring into like any city in mm. Europe, match ticket or not, the moment we get a sniff of a game there. You know, yeah. and, and the beauty of it now, in the future, who knows what will happen with our club? Anything could happen in the years ahead with this, with the new Czech fella and our, and our raised profile now. And, you know, maybe we'll become the next club to be taken over by some sort of horrible, you know, human rights abusing gazillion. Yeah. But for now, we're doing this, right? Without any mad wild investment, we're just doing it in an old fashioned way that actually doesn't really exist in football anymore. Yeah. Success doesn't exist in football. No. I mean, even my Arsenal supporting cousin said the other day, he went, Fucking hell, everyone talks about the oligarchs and the Saudis and all the dirty money. He went, But ultimately, he said, You know, we were talking about Arsenal the other day, the most improved club in Europe at the moment is the one run by. The fucking dildo salesman and the bird of the apprentice. Yeah, yeah. yeah and so you, you know, you must be thinking, fuck all these like oligarchs and and you know, fucking sovereign states and all yeah. of that. You just need a couple of barrow boys and a woman off the telly. Yeah, absolutely. It's an ambition of mine to sit in a football ground and have other people sing at me. Where were you? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> fucking right here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, it's uh, you know, for me, it's like little victories. It's like this is uh, the probably the first time we've put two good seasons together. I think I said this last week on the podcast or the week before. You know, uh, for quite a long time, there's been sort of one good season ever. followed by in, in by my lifetime one. ever. I can't, you know, I've been going since the early eighties, mid eighties. We never we followed up eighty six with a shit season. Yeah. Every time you know, we've had, a, we followed up 2006 with a relegation fight. I you mean, know, we, we always actually managed to follow a good season, not just with one that doesn't match it, but one that is extremely bad. Exactly, exactly. You know, Manchester United, uh, after Ferguson's last season, uh, they won 55% of their games and finished seventh in the league, but mm. they sacked the manager, David Moyes, mm. you know, mm. for, for that. And it's like, you know, what sort of where are you living? If like fourteen out of twenty teams would tear your arm off to finish seventh, I mean, you know, think, I mean, and win over half your game. This is not really a conversation for I don't suppose, but there must be United fans now in the state they're in thinking, well, Ferguson was right all along. That was his choice to hire David Moyes. Yeah, that's true. And yeah. it was the right choice. It was the right choice because that was a club in transition. And David Moyes was, was did enough in that. It did more in that first season than most of the bigger names who've succeeded him have managed since. Yeah. And it, and if they'd only stuck with him, imagine where they'd be now. Yeah, because he he wouldn't have done what all these other managers have done and throw money at a hodgepodge of kind of big name signings. He would have built a fucking team there. And yeah. I think they'd probably they, they must all be looking at it now, looking at what Moyes is achieving now, and thinking, "Shit, if we only stuck with that, I don't but think they that's are, what though. you get if you're an entitled I think, fan I don't base." Think they are thinking that, and they've rationalised it, uh, you know, a long time ago, really, that he wasn't the right, mm. the right man for them. Um, but I, I, you know, yeah, I mean, I, I think uh, I, I'm, I'm wondering. Let's let's suppose let's suppose how important. How big a difference would it be if we go on and win this thing compared to maybe we, you know, we've got to the semi final, maybe we go out heroically or something? Uh, materially, um, what difference does it make if we actually get to the final and win the thing? Do you think? Does that mean Rice is definitely staying? Does that mean we, we can sign, you know, well, let's, you know, crystal ball it for a moment? Let's say we, we win it. I don't feel. I don't feel comfortable. If we win it or don't, they've got to. I mean, they didn't. They didn't buy a single footballer in the last transfer window, and they bought. You know, they didn't buy particularly well in the summer transfer. Well, we sort of thought Zuma, they had that was done. the we only thought, thing, really. I mean, and yeah, then we thought they sort of to be a dud. Yeah. Yeah, um, or or was deemed to be a dud. I mean, I still sort of. I kind of hope he'll. 
sort of come good because I think he's we, you were talking you were, you were talking about four nails earlier yeah, right yeah. and and so all the way through this season I've been clinging to the four nails yeah you know comparison and thinking oh well you know not a dissimilar player and four nails looked pretty poor to be honest for first year but I don't know I watched him against Burnley and I think I just finally thought nah I think he's lacking something his head was gone his, his head was gone to be fair like when 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 that Westwood um, tackle yeah. happened. He clearly, he clearly wasn't right afterwards. Yeah, but Benji, for fuck's sake, that for me is like, mate, fucking pull yourself together, you baby. He's only broken his leg. Stop crying and get on with winning the game. So that that to me is a flaw as much as any other. If he lost his head after seeing someone broke his leg, he. I mean, I'm sure it was very horrifying, but you know. This is no one said it was going to be easy, mate. He seems to have a habit of turning into trouble. You know, the gets the ball very often seems to choose the wrong, wrong, wrong way. To, I wonder if he's not that he, he he's a central attacking midfielder, isn't he? You know, by trade. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. uh, and we're trying to convert him to being a wide attacker winger. And he's struggling a little bit with that conversion, it seems to me. Does he lack of yeah. pace? Because I keep noticing him. He'll push the ball past the player and invariably the defender is able to step in front of him and hassle him away. I mean, that seems to be the most common way he loses the ball. So I'm just starting to think he just doesn't have that change of pace to actually beat a man. He's got, you know, he's technically good. He's got skill. But as discussed, like, I think that it is mad to throw away any player when you've got David Moyes as a manager. You've got to give him at least one more year Mm. because... We know yeah, what, yeah. that David Moyes can be transformative. I think Vlasic has, has shown flaccid, flashes, flashish, <laughs> of of, uh, of being a really good player. Actually, it's just not being consistent, and he hasn't had a real run. Me but too. I, I think give, give him a preseason uh, and another year under Moyes, and, and then and then call it. Yeah, I think he's. I think he's guilty of trying a bit too hard sometimes as well. You I know, he'll so. beat a player, but then he'll try and beat him again and try and beat him again because. You know, he feels he's got to impress. And then by doing so, he doesn't impress at all. I, I do think there's a good player in there somewhere, though. I agree. I think the thing I like about him, uh, and I've liked it since the beginning, is that he is industrious. He doesn't he doesn't hide and he wants the ball. And uh, for me, that sort of, you know, buys him quite a lot of credit for me. You know, he's the anti-Matt Jarvis, who if he could have <laughs> worn, if he could have worn a pitch-coloured kit oh with some kind of green screen, <laughs> lycra bodysuit so that he blended into the pitch, he would have done so. I've never seen anyone hiding in plain sight more often <laughs> in my life. Um, and Vlasic does, is, does show willing and does show industry, and I think he wants to impress. And yes, and like you say, Don, I think he does he, he does try a little too hard to impress sometimes, and, and, and yeah, we'll try and be a guy, you know, two or three times, and eventually we'll just give the ball away. Um, but, um, I mean, I'm, I'm sort of assuming that everyone to a man was, uh, was great out in Lyon. Uh, we've obviously got a problem with our... Uh, defence um, coming up. Yeah. Uh, Diop was extremely good in both of those games, including the Burnley game. Mm. Yes. Yeah, really uh, good. I thought he was terrific in the Burnley game. Really yeah. terrific. Yeah, he's done well to come back because it looked as though he'd hit rock bottom, didn't it, round about the mm. sort of Kidderminster game. Um, yeah. And he's done well to kind of to kind of pull it, pull it back round and, you know, uh, yeah, it's a down. shame. He hasn't let us down no. since. Like, in that Leicester away game that he came back in for, they set up that goal for Bowen. You know, everyone was asking big questions about him. But, but yeah. guys, generally, like, who the fuck is playing centre-back? Like, is it going to be, like, we can't be Decker, is it? Like, well, that'd be such a waste no. to move him back. Is it going to be the kid, Alessi or, or whatever? I think that's who I, I would go for. I think it might have to be if he sticks with a four, but he might well go to a three. Mm. With, with um with With Cresswell... Dawson in the middle of it and and Johnson on the right. I think That's he's done that. I think there was a game this season where he played that that he played Johnson in a back three, yeah. didn't he? And I think I think uh, yeah. The more I think about, it, I think that is probably the thing he'll most likely go for. I think or, John... because mm. it's such a big game, and because Declan Rice is probably at the best centre back at the club, I would imagine. <laughs> Because I would say he's probably the best in every position bar goalie or possibly also that. I don't know. I haven't seen playing goal. But you could look at it and think, okay, 
it was it Liverpool away when Rice got sick at the last minute and we played a midfield three of um, Suchek, Lanzini and Fornells. So it was different, but Suchek just sat and the other two did a lot of running and, and we played fantastically well in that game, actually. We were really yeah. unlucky to lose. Maybe you're, yeah, right. Back in. Maybe you're right, Sam. Maybe that's the solution. And, 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 I, and I think that, you know, it could be that he thinks, well, actually, this is the biggest game in our history. Rice and Dawson looks like a fucking amazing centre-back <laughs> pairing. Like, you're going to have to do well to get past them, right? Yeah, you're very right. well, right? And then the midfield, you look, Suchek, Lanzini and Bornells. That's a nightmare midfield for them to cope with because you're not going to give the ball away much with those three, with Fornells and Lanzini. They've got loads, the, the three of them between them have got loads of running in them. And, of course, you've also got Deck in the team so he can step in to yeah. midfield. We like to play it from the back. But you've got, you know, in terms of a ball-playing centre-back, there's no one better than, than Deck and Rice. So suddenly I was looking at it. Obviously, I, like all of us and every every member of the West Ham family spent the last two days just sketching out teams on a notepad. <laughs> that's what we've all been doing. And uh, that's the one. Anyway, that's the one I liked best. You've but sold me. Whether it's You've one he goes to, I don't know. Yeah, it, but, I think it does make some sense. But obviously, well, Moyes knows best. It's because, like, in my mind, it's like... You cannot, you cannot move Deckers out of that midfield. But actually, as you've said, like we've got players that can play there, and Dawson and Declan Rice, fucking, mm. you know, you and who's army. So yeah, no, I, 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 yeah. I, I'm with yeah. you. I'm with yeah. you. I sign me up. Yeah. And that, am I right, Jim? You'll remember uh, against Liverpool, that was the midfield. Suchek for Nails Lanzini. I, I think that is right. I think that is right. And yeah. it just requires Suchek to basically play a more straightforward yeah. holding role. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah, he didn't play noble in that game, did he? He didn't. No, no. I, I think that would be a mistake, and that's the other bigger. So there's three options. There's that one that I just said. There's three at the back, like you said, and the, the other one, and obviously there's bringing in Alessi, and then the 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 fourth option is you bring noble into midfield and switch rice. I that think Johnson, the Johnson at centre back. I think Johnson will end up a centre back. I'm not convinced he's a fullback, but I think right now he's actually he just he's got too many mistakes in him. I really like him, and I think he's got a bright future. But I w- I'm not sure I trust him in, in a big game playing playing as part of a back three. Um, you mentioned that that um, uh, obviously even I was aware that we we were slightly under the cosh for the first kind of 20 minutes or so of the Leon game. Jim, you said that Soufal didn't sort of cover himself in any glory in that first part of the game. No, I think the the first 10 or 15 minutes, they looked really threatening and we were struggling. We were struggling because um, the fullbacks, they were getting behind our fullbacks. They were finding little pockets of space between Rice and Suchek and the the centre-halves. And that was obviously kind of part of the game plan, playing little triangles. And we weren't stopping crosses coming in. So two or three times, dangerous crosses went across. They hit the they hit the post, and we stood off. Um, it wasn't Dembele; it was, it was the other guy. We, we stood um, we stood off uh, him for the for the for the one that hit the post. You know, and Dawson, if that if that had gone in and we ended up losing the game, Dawson um, right up would have been very very different because he, he he definitely let him space to turn in the box and get that shot away, which he shouldn't have done. But then we just kind of there was an injury, and um, and I noticed, yeah, yeah, it can be. Um, I noticed that uh, whilst there was a little break for for injury, Soufal, Dawson, they got together. There was a bit of a kind of conference, and they were clearly, I think, kind of working out. And and gradually, we just we 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 sorted that out, and we grew into the game. And we were already threatened with one or two opportunities before the, the corner goal came. But I was astonished at how they fell apart after the first goal wedding. That, Sufal, that, that, they, they off the crumbled. pace. Sufal, I think, is off the pace. I personally, at the moment, would yes, play Fredericks is. over him. I think Fredericks uh, hasn't done himself any harm in the games he's played. And Fredericks obviously... had a couple of good games in a row, uh, yeah. you know, four or five matches ago, didn't he? I can't remember which couple, but I really thought he looked great. And mm. I like Fredericks. I think he's really good. And... Um, you know, his sort of bottom line 
level of playing is uh, competent. You know, he's a decent player, but just that extra lick of speed could be a secret weapon, you know, because... I like him in attack. I mean, I'm not saying play him in attack, but what I like is is that out of the three very good right-backs we've got, for me, for me, Johnson's the best, I think. That's the one who I'd play. But when the good thing about when Fredericks plays is that he offers you an extra dimension going forward. Yeah, he does. Because it's a lot for the other team to cope with yeah. when you when you know he can just come from nowhere into the box. He's always going to be the fastest player on the pitch. Isn't but he's he? also a, he is also an asset in defence. If if a, a team does particularly have a kind of a bit of a Billy Wiz like a Theo Walcott or a yeah. you know Sean Wright Phillips or something, because that away game at Spurs. Um, where we won, we were the first team to win in their new stadium. Uh, Pellegrini's you know, one really conspicuous piece of um, reactive team selection was to play Fredericks instead of whoever else he'd had, probably Zabaleta uh, right back at the time, because Fredericks just kept up with every darting run Son made the whole mm. game. You know, Son just couldn't get away from him. And uh, he just, you know, marked him out of the game with his speed, with his pace. Uh, I, I like him. I like him a lot. I think he's really good. Uh, and if we do do some kind of three at the back, that might be, that might be, you know, um, a sort of an option. Well, me us. and Arthur coming in left wing back, which just gives me gives me the willies to say the least. It really does. Now, now, I mean, it always has done, but now you're just sort of at the stage where you you just know. The, the the thing is, he the thing is about him is that he's just balmy, isn't he? He's a weird yeah. bloke. He's a weird bloke. Yeah. He's weird, right? And you just don't know what he's gonna do. He's like the weird kid in the playground, right? He's he's like the kid who suddenly fucking eats the banana and the banana skin. Yeah. And like you're like, what you done that for, mate? It's just like he's an oddball. And it's when, when he um, when he say like when he scored the winner against Chelsea and everyone was like, What yeah. a fluke. I can't believe that. It's like yeah. you don't know what else, mate. He meant that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He's, and the thing is, as much as we love him for that, when you're going into the biggest game in like living <laughs> yeah. memory, yeah. right? I just can't personally take that. I can't take him being in the team. <laughs> I can't, I don't think I'd be able to handle it emotionally if I we mean, walk he's... out in Frankfurt with him in the side. Yeah. He's, he's, um, well, of course, that game at West Bromwich Albion, where he handled the ball and the referee let him let him get away with it, so he did it again. <laughs> He's the sort of bloke who genuinely think he might one day just like catch the ball yeah. and then shove it up his shirt and just run run around the pitch <laughs> laughing. And then when he gets shown the red card, be really like bewildered. Yeah, do you know what I mean? <laughs> Like and that's all fun and games when we're shit because it livens things up. But now when there's something on the line, there's there's no room anymore for a man like him in our team. Yeah. Uh, we uh, have we ever done a kind of mad West Ham eleven? You'd have Marco yeah. Bugas. Oh, yeah, you, you would. You would. Uh, rep, rep, possibly rep. Bernard Lama. Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 Um, Arthur, obviously. Oh, mad dog. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fully yeah, mad. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. Um, oh, we haven't got time. No. <laughs> and, and a lot of people forget that mentally on this can be funny, Phil. And, <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. that's well funny. <laughs> on the, in, in the context of a football match, it can be. Yeah, definitely. Up to a point. Yeah. <laughs> Julia Dix. Um, yeah, Julia Dix. Yeah. Um, when when Bowyer and Dyer had that fight on the pitch when mm-hmm. they were both playing for Newcastle, that was a great moment of madness. I mean, Paolo, is, we're forgetting Paolo. I mean, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. he's yeah, yeah. Of, he's he's almost madder than all of them. Uh, yeah. I mean, Psycho Pierce, up front. If, if you speak to any players yeah. who played with with Decanio or Sam, I mean, they always just go, "Oh, wow!" I mean, he was we just stayed away from him off the field. It was great on the field. Off field, stay away, but stay away from him. Why? He's just—he was just too weird and mad. Like by the way, to, I've got to, a be, to be around him was scary. I've got a theory about Craig Dawson, by the way, that mm. none of the players <laughs> like him. I've got a theory that none. What <laughs> whenever he scores a goal, they're always a bit sort of tentative. No one like—I don't think anyone like because apparently in training he is dialed up to eleven. Like he will go right. through 
he will he break your ankle. He doesn't he doesn't care? So yeah, I wonder if he if he's a dark horse for the Lunatics Eleven as well. Mm. Um, who was the guy that uh, Avram Grant signed? Who was about twelve, and we play paid like thousands. Fabio. Sorry, no, that was Fabio. Zola signed him. So oh, Zola, Zola signed him. He faked his own kidnapping, didn't he? He faked yeah, his own kidnapping. Yes. That's, kidnapped that's him. nice and mad. He kidnapped, he kidnapped himself yeah, at gunpoint. That is, <laughs> that is wonderfully mad. Uh, you have to make a case. Thomas you have to make a case for Oh, yeah, of course. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, I'm going to have to write, I'm gonna have this, to write is, this, this is This is really shaping up. <laughs> yeah, it's a, good, it's a good outfit. I like it, yeah. Um so yeah, I mean this it is a it's a real conundrum. This what do we do about? Uh, I mean, so it's I'm sort of gutted for Diop really because he was um, you know had two great performances in a row. It was really looking like the player. You know, I, I was in a sort of little Facebook thread about him once. Someone kind of went, "He's never been good," and you're like, "Yes, that mm-hmm. whole season under Pellegrini where we came, finished tenth. Yeah. We finished tenth in that first Pellegrini season. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and it was a bit attack, attack, attack. But he was an ever present." In yeah. that thing, it was either him and Balbuena or I him remember, and Ogbon. I remember we beat United, and Mourinho was going on about how he was gutted that United hadn't signed Diop because he played so well. He, he, he looked like a real class act, didn't he? Yeah, I don't think he'll ever quite live up to that early potential. But yeah, he's not shit. I think he's really good in a team that's on the front foot, and you know mm. the Pellegrini team was you know, a, an attacking outfit. It wasn't so much as soak it up and hit them on the break outfit. I don't think, I think, you know, if he's got to face a lot of oncoming traffic, it's like he'll make a mistake at some point. I got, you know? I got to say, like, you're right. He, you know, he, he can be, he can be a very good defender, but the point for me at which I thought, fucking hell, we got to shit this bloke out was when we're playing against bloody Fleetwood Mac. And like he literally looked like the worst player on the pitch <clears> against <throat> non-league opposition. He got subbed off, I think, at yeah. half time. Because he was like but he was being exposed, he was being humiliated by non-league forwards. And yeah, I thought that point, I thought there was no coming back from that, but he's yeah, actually since been turned in some decent well. performances. Yeah. Um, yeah. He's uh he's his tall uh, his height. To ability to head the ball ratio it must be the lowest of any professional <laughs> centre. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> he's six he's foot five, but describes himself as not like headers. It sort of kind of gets under. sort of it comes off the top of his head a lot of the yeah. time, doesn't it? Yeah. He uses forehead. His technique's all wrong. Yeah. Um, in fact, it was. Uh, a, a terrible Diop header, I think, that led to Kidderminster's goal in that in that um, yeah that FA Cup game. Yeah, yeah. Um, so we've got uh, Chelsea at the weekend, haven't we? And we've got um, uh, our first leg against Eintracht uh, in the in the week. Um, so I guess his sort of uh, first his priority for trying out his experimental backline will be in the Chelsea yeah. game. Uh, I, I I doubt you know he hasn't really shown any evidence of sort of resting players or rotating the team uh, between Sunday and Thursday. Bar one or two players, it's the same set that run out mm. on the pitch every time. Yeah, yeah. So we'll see. He'll he'll no doubt show his hand against Chelsea. And unless it unless it goes disastrously wrong, we'll play it against Leon. But yeah. I've got I've got faith in him. I think whatever he does will be the correct solution. I mean that whole coaching staff they're like they're not they're not dicking around. This is a hard working, thoughtful, <coughs> knowledgeable yeah. coaching setup he's got, and I think they'll have a plan, won't they? Yeah, I've heard yeah. that he's going for the two goalies option. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, of course, we that, were, if that's uh, what Dave does. That's that's the right decision, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, well, of course, we, we there was a game where David Martin played in goal, which we went to, didn't we? David Martin, oh, yeah. uh, they Martin tears at the end. Yeah, yeah. Chelsea game. I mean, the game we, with Cresswell scored and we won. Yeah, yeah, one yeah. nil. Chelsea one nil. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, they're currently losing to Arsenal. They are, so, yeah. Oh, no. Was it 3-2 now? Yeah. 3-2, oh, yeah. So can't see them losing two home games in a row. No, no. 
No, it's one worry, isn't it? I mean, we have, um, you know, we did finally, it feels like we have succumbed a little bit to the, uh, you know, the the curse of playing on Thursday and Sunday. You know, we, we I mean, I, I, I sort of think I get seventh. I think we're going to finish seventh this season. Uh, I think it's, you know, I think it's, it's, I don't think we'll, I, I think we can, I can think we can hold Wolves off, but I think we'll have trouble yeah. sort of getting. But so so, so be it. The whole, the whole principle of, oh, yeah. you know, the, the European journey is towards mm. doing the league. Well, then make the European journey worth it. And we absolutely have. There you go. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And if being quartered uh, in the yeah. league means we finish seventh, which in yeah, any other yeah. season would yeah. be like fucking get the open top bus out. <laughs> yeah. We've I mean, I've, I've genuinely seen people saying, you know, uh, it's going to be a step backwards if we don't win the Europa League, but also don't get into the top six in the Premier yeah, League. And I'm like, are you fucking joking? Yeah. Two years ago, we were fighting relegation. You know, semi-finals are the of the Europa League and seventh in the Premier League. That's yeah, a great right. season. Absolutely. Plus, I think you're overlooking the fact that Manchester United oh, I agree. are so bad. Yeah, I was going to say that. I think we've got a really bad. I mean, we're not. We're not bad. We're, yeah, we're struggling, right, for for form and because of fitness and focus and all those other things. It's true, but we are a hard team for anyone to yeah. come up yeah. against every week. Maybe not Brentford. That was a particularly bad day. Burnley were lucky to get away. They were. We should have won. Yeah, yeah. No one likes playing West Ham. We're a fucking hard team to play. Manchester United are a mess. They're a, they're a yeah. team that are enjoyable to play. For anyone, uh, anyone who's got United, they'll just compete. Their next you know. two are Chelsea and Arsenal, Man United. Yeah, interesting. Because, yeah, um, it, yeah I, 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 you know, um, that's where I sort of think we'll finish. But I must say... Um, you know, when we came to the Burnley game and results have been sort of um, so kind of favourable to us, it, you know, if we got three points at the weekend, uh, it would have been a kind of a rosy position. So they are, the teams around us that are currently above us and stuff, you're, you're right, they are. But there's a lot of shooting themselves in the foot potential among those teams. And obviously some of them have got to play each other. And uh, um, uh, But as I say, you know, I would be happy with, Seventh or eight, I think you know. I think I think we can hold Wolves off, but they're a pretty good outfit, you know. I think uh, I think Arsenal will grab fourth. Spurs, no, I think Spurs will grab fourth because they've got the easiest running. Yeah. Then, then Arsenal. Then I think us. I think we'll finish above United. I think Man United could just. I mean, they're they're in such crisis. They could just lose the rest of their games. They all hate each other. Yeah. There's no one in charge. I mean, they're a team. They're they they've got relegation form. Yeah. Yeah. The only reason they're not going down is because actually Solskjaer did all right with the with the with the mess of a of a team that he had in the first half of the season. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean that would be that would be great. <laughs> Let's go back to the Burnley game for a second. Um, Nick Pope had incredible game without yeah. him we yes. won and it's and it's the second time he's done it to us do you remember that other game yeah the in London the relegation battle yeah. About yeah five or six unbelievable saves so uh, he's a damn he fine is, keeper he no is, doubt about it definitely um yeah I sort of wonder whether um you know in the next season uh Areola will be our number one I'll be right with that I think so. Yeah, yeah, I think, yeah, yeah, yeah I think I think you know what well, he turns thirty-seven this week. I think Fabianski. So yeah, sort of feels like you know um, because you know t- obviously teams quite often as they progress further and further in a, a tournament stop playing their fringe players and start playing their kind of first eleven. But Ariola's hanging on to that spot, and uh, you know Moyes is um, you know not that sentimental. Uh, he can be quite sentimental, but um, he's a good goalie. I think he's uh, yeah, he's a, he thinks he's a good goalie and should stay on that spot. But uh, and it feels like point. he's sort of he's point, made but... two in, in the two legs against Leon. He made two fantastic saves. Yeah, the one, uh, yeah. one yeah. at home, but actually the one in the, the one in the second half where he pushed it around the post is, is a bloody good save. Yeah, we yeah. got to buy him. We got to buy him. We don't own him. Own him. He's unlucky. Mm. That's so right. Yeah, to... yeah. Yeah, I think it feels it feels kind of set up for him to be our number one next year. I feel that that's sort of the way that's going to go. You know, if, Burn- if Burnley um, go down, I'll have Pope. Thank you very much. Uh, Pope, Definitely, yeah. I was going to say exactly that. Yeah, 
yeah. as will a lot of teams, I think. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. he's he's massively in the shop window, isn't he? He's been, he's, you know, it's sort of amazing he stayed at Burnley, actually. Um, yeah, but we're massive, so that's all right. Yeah, yeah. Yes. All right, well, um, perhaps it's time for predictions for the Chelsea game. God. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I... Uh, I think we'll lose. I, I can't see us getting anything out of it. They, they um, especially if they if they end up losing this one to Arsenal, they'll 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 bounce back. Um, Listen, we we stank against Burnley because we were holding Chelsea. Two 0 Chelsea. Two 0 Chelsea. Yeah. Who's next? I think we'll win one nil. One nil. Oh. Yeah. Oh, shit. I was going to say that. Mm. I'll go for a fighting one-all draw. Excellent. Benji? We'll lose. We'll be holding ourselves back for Frankfurt, and fair enough. What's What will be the score? 2-0. I'm a gym. I can't be. Okay, 3-0. 3-1. Three, 3-2. Three, <laughs> <laughs> okay, that leaves me with either uh, uh, an exorbitant score... Uh, which is my metier, of course, and often often yes. proved very accurate, uh, or, you know, nil-nil. So I'm going to say um, three or three. Yeah. three <laughs> that would be wonderful, wouldn't it? Yeah, yeah. it would be great. Three or, yeah, yeah. Uh, all right. Um, any last thoughts, gents? I might, I might try. I might write down uh, a West Ham Mad Eleven and stick it on the Facebook group. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. yeah that'd be good. Um, but um, uh, all right. Well, that's it for this week. Stop Hammer Time. My name is Phil Whelan's. With me have been Sam Delaney. Goodbye. Jim Grant. Syria. Uh, Don Peretta. Been a pleasure. Benji Lanyardo. On your irons. And my friend uh, Bob Pipe has just sent me a message that says, literally, it's just been on WhatsApp, our mate Don Peretta in Gaza doc on BBC oh, Two. Yes, that's right. Is this true, Don? Are you currently on BBC Two in a Gaza doc? I was quoted in the Times today wow. as well, actually, which is quite interesting. Mm. Yeah, I, I did an interview for this film ages ago and it's just come out now, so... Right, right. Ah, fabulous. Enjoy. Well, get on uh, iPlayer and watch that, everyone, I say. <laughs> Gaza Doc. Should be more Gaza Docs. <laughs> All right. Thanks, everyone. Uh, this has been Stop Hammer Time. Come on, you irons. If you want to advertise on or sponsor this show, check us out at playbackmedia.co.uk. Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.